0: Alright, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, right after the book of Proverbs, right before the book of Song of Solomon. <laughs> Let's bow as we look at our, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together and worship you. Lord, we thank you for the singing that we've been able to do as we've lift up your name. We ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Does anybody remember what the main theme verse that we're going to look at? Uh, we're going to mention this. You probably have it memorized by the time we go th- months of doing this. Ecclesiastes 12:13. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for that is the whole duty of man. <laughs> All right. And I want to keep that verse in our mind because... Ecclesiastes is really a pretty dark book he's very depressed and it's a very depressing book if you're not careful to read the whole book and it's going to take us a long time to get to the end of the book so I'm gonna keep bringing the end of the book to the front of the book (laughs) to help us keep in mind as we're looking at some of these things it all heads to a purpose so in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 starting at verse 12 I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven. This sore travail has God given to sons of man to be exercised wherewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate. I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart has great experience in wisdom and knowledge. I have, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is, is much grief, and he that is increased knowledge increases sorrow. So we see here that uh, Solomon is a little bit depressed. He says, the smarter I get, the less I understand, basically, is what he's saying. You know, have you ever kind of gotten to that place where the more you know about something, the less it seems that you know about something? Uh, over the years, I've, I've heard different definitions for expert. My, my definition for an expert is somebody who's beginning to know what they don't know. And really, that's true. Because you can never be a full expert at, any, at anything you can just start realizing what you don't know. And uh, whenever I hear somebody that says, well, I'm an expert at something, I'm going, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know yet enough to be calling yourself an expert because when you get to a place, you go, okay, I'm, you may be very good at something. You may handle it very well. But Solomon basically said, the more knowledge I get, the harder things get. And we want to look at this. He says, I, the preacher, and we talked about that last week, the the preacher, the the a speaker to the assembly and this the picture we have of this is he standing in front of a bunch of younger people and he says I want to tell you about life and we've talked about that last week I want to tell you about life I want to keep you from making the same mistakes I made how many of us ever had an older person when we were young try to keep us from making mistakes mm. you know and usually we don't listen to them very well Well, you know, you made no mistakes, but I'm not going to make the same mistakes. And when we get old, we realize we made the same mistakes that they tried to warn us against. So hopefully, as we go through this book, we won't make a lot of the same mistakes that Solomon made. Uh, We probably will. (laughs) Uh, You know, we'll look at this and say, well, Solomon, you you may not have been able to do this, but you know, uh, how many many people have ever gone, you know, just if I could just have a million dollars, I would be happy. If I had that house on the mansion and cars and servants, I'd be happy. Well, you know, the thing we find out is most of the people in that part aren't happy. Without God, they're not happy. You know, and this is what Solomon is going to go through with this whole book. He's going to go, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And all was vanity. He says, I gave myself, I gave my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all things that were done under heaven. Solomon is, is well known in history for being somebody that people came to from all around the world to find out stuff. And sometimes they would come in to just test him and say, you know, are you really as smart and wise as I've heard? And we, rec- you know, we look at his history and he knew he knew things about animals and insects and weather and you know god and you know he knew every topic seemed to be he was an expert in and yet by his th- thinking I yeah, what good was it? What good was it? It all led to confusion. One of the things we used to have to teach managers was Get as much information you can and then make a decision. Have you ever been paralyzed by too much information? Okay, well, I may, miss, I may be missing something. You know, I got a whole lot of stuff and I don't know what to do. And so at some point, you have to make a decision. And this is what this section of, that, uh, that Solomon's talking about. because goes, you can just keep getting information, especially in our day. How many ever done a Google search on something and, try, and got way too many contradictory answers? You know, uh, one, one website says one thing, another one says another thing, and another one says another thing. You know, uh, one thing to warn you, if you didn't know this already, don't believe it just because it's on the internet. <laughs> you know, because the internet lies as much as anybody else does because people are writing the things on the internet. And it's really hard sometimes to figure out who these people are because a lot of times they don't even tell you who they are. So if they won't identify who they are, take it with a grain of salt. Whatever they say, take it with a grain of salt. Because you can get way too much information. You can get people lying to you and giving you wrong information on purpose. Uh, and that's a, this is the thing that he is, says. Sol, Solomon says, I have given my heart. And the word of heart is lab, and it means your innermost emotions. So he says, I have given everything I have to learn. And this is quite a statement because you're going to find he's given all his heart to a lot of things in his lifetime. But he gave everything he wanted to know you know most of us have been wrapped up at some point in our life in something whether it was work or family or sports or maybe even in education we get so wrapped up and you get consumed by it Uh, I can get that way sometimes studying God's word even today you know get so wrapped up in it and lose track of time many times I've kind of come to my senses and it's two three o'clock in the morning and I got to go to work in a couple hours (laughs) but you know do we get consumed? This is the language that Solomon's using. I've been so consumed to learn that I've poured everything. And he would have he would have brought in this, all the scholars from everywhere. And he says, "I want to know, I want to learn, I want to know all these things." And then he says, "Very interesting." Here he says, "I uh, uh, search out wisdom concerning all things that are under the sun." This sore travail, literally occupation. Has God given to the sons of man to be exercised or be busy with? You know, God wants us to learn. One of the greatest things I think we're supposed to do is learn. Because uh, I've watched over, my, over the years, if somebody stops learning, they pretty much die. And it actually happens, unfortunately, with a lot of older people. They stop learning. They stop learning new things and end up pretty much dead. And you watch people who are learning all the time and, and excited. Uh, when I was in uh, California going to school, the, the uh, state school offered classes to senior adults free once the students picked their classes. And I had a couple of elective classes where we had a whole bunch of people that were 60, 70, 80 years old in the class so they could learn. You know, and I want to encourage you, learn something. Keep studying the Bible. Keep reading and understanding the word at least. But also challenge yourself. Learn some new things. Because I think one of the things we're going to do in heaven, I believe, is learn for all of eternity. Because it's so important on this world, I can't imagine that God would say, nope, we're not going to let you learn. I know there's a lot of people who believe we learn everything in heaven at, at the moment. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I could be wrong. But to me, learning is probably the most important thing we do. And I think God can keep us busy for eternity, learning. And uh, S- Solomon said, I've, I've done this. And this is the occupation. This is what God has given it. It says, and then he says, I've seen all the works that would have been done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity. <laughs> and then vexation. He uses the word vexation. Vanity. Empty. You know, Saul, Solomon saw all that was going on and said, eh, it's all worthless. And remember last week we were talking about it, He said, you know, generations come, generations go. Things happen. They, they, they pass. And Solomon says, there's nothing that you do that has long-lasting inf- influence. You might be remembered to the next generation, if you're lucky. Maybe three or four generations if you're really, really fortunate and, and done something really big. But two or 3,000 years from now, you're not going to be remembered, most likely, except by historians that dig up, dig up some records. You know, and I know every one of you remember every fact you were ever told in history classes, right? <laughs> remember all those names and dates and what they did. You know, we don't remember those kind of things usually. Unless it's important to us, then we remember, we will remember it, and that's what Solomon's saying here. It is all vanity, and he uses the word vexation, and vexation was quite an interesting word because it means longing and striving for. He goes, it's all just, you what you get, you want more of, and it never fills. And if you've ever been in a place where you've been caught up in something, for me, it was workaholism in early on in my marriage, in my, in my 20s. Busy all the time, just trying to make it to the top. And no matter how far up you go, you're never happy. There's always something more to do. There's something, you know, you, it never gets the longing filled. And you can take your pick. There's people that want fame. There's people who want money. There's people who want family. You know, and they just never get what they want from whatever it is they're seeking because if God's not in it, it won't be fulfilling. God created us to seek after him. The end matter, fear God and keep his commandments. When we're fearing God, we're keeping commandments, we're drawing close to him and letting him fill us, we get satisfied. We have something that is not vanity. And then when God's in it, everything else fits into place and has value because he is the center of everything. And we need to make sure this is the whole purpose of this book that Solomon's going to look at say, God's got to be in the center. Without God, everything is empty. And I know we've all been there. Somewhere in our lives, we've been there. Many, many people, many times over. Solomon left one thing, went to the next, went to the next, went to the next. He was wealthy enough to do it. Most of us aren't that wealthy to be able to try everything. Solomon had wealth. He had fame. He had... The money to do projects. He collected things. He, including wives and 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 women, you know. He he had just a few. i everybody knows how many he had. One thousand wives and concubines, you know. He collected women as much as he collected all the other stuff he collected. You know, and he says nothing. Nothing's worthwhile. Nothing is nothing is of any value. And you know, he took everything he did to the extreme. His wealth was such that it says in the scriptures that. Silver was worthless in Jerusalem. It was as the dust, it was worthless. That's how much money and, and wealth he had brought into Jerusalem. You know, he did everything to the extremes he gathered women to the extremes, did, did uh, big public works things to the extremes, gathered, gathered alcohol and, and drugs, the, the drugs of their day to the extreme. And he said, None of it fills anything. It's all empty, it's all vanity. We need to take and listen to, listen to Solomon because we waste a lot of our life trying to fill things up that aren't God and waste a lot of time, money, and effort. And he says, it's all empty, it's all vexation. He goes, that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. You know, and he's talking about this, what is wanting, what is greatly desired can never be filled. If our desire isn't for God, it's not going to be filled. You know, when you're trying to work yourself into the top position, you finally get to the top position and you go, now what? Because it's not what you thought it was going to be. You get into fame. You get very famous. You know, these people who are singers and athletes, they get to the top of their world and they're going, now what? I've got nothing to strive for and I'm not happy with what I've got. A matter of fact, I don't trust all my followers because I don't know if they like me or they like, you know, like what, I'm, you know, what, I, what they can get from me. You know, and there's never a fulfillment from all of this stuff. And people go, well, let me try it. I'd love to try it. No, you really don't. <laughs> if it doesn't work for them, and how do we know it doesn't work for them? Well, pick up just about any paper and you read so-and-so is strung out on drugs or committed suicide or is checking into a rehab uh, facility because of the alcohol that they're addicted to because they never found what they wanted from what they were seeking. We must find it in God. God. And that doesn't mean in religion because Solomon is going to talk in this book about he didn't find God, he didn't find satisfaction in religion. Religion is following a bunch of rules. That would be, I've got to come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and whenever the doors are open, I've got to be at church. I've got to read my Bible every single day and mark my little check mark in. I read my Bible. I've got to say some prayers every day. I've got to give money to God every... If all of that is you're doing it as a checklist, trying to trying to get something it is vanity why did you know everything i said is great things you know i really believe everybody should be in church but they should be in church because they want to be with god's people and be in god's presence because he said where two or three are gathered there am i in the midst of them reading our bible every day is a very good habit to get into as long as we're not just saying okay god i checked off my i read my, my read my three verse chapters a day did it are we reading it to really get to know god the testimonies i like hearing is when i when the people come who've been reading their bible are now on their third fourth fifth sixth time since i've been here and going wow you know this is just wonderful i'm now starting to really understand and that's why i encourage us to read the bible through every year not because i want people getting on this check mark okay god i read my bible all year no it's to get to know him and we get to know him and it's not vanity. If all I'm doing is reading it like I would any other, okay, yes, uh, God, instead of reading my Sherlock Holmes, I'm going to read your Bible. No, don't, don't. If you're reading it for the wrong reasons. You know, and all these things are so important, but we want to be doing it for the right reasons because the wrong reason will never fulfill. There's, we need God. We were created to have God in fellowship with us. And without him, everything else is vanity, empty. And we've all been there probably at some point in our life. We've either been before we got saved or even after we've gotten saved, we drift away from him and we're going, okay, God, nothing nothing failed. Solomon was very close to God when he started. Then he got drawn away. Drawn away from God and lost his focus on God and started looking at things. Things will never fulfill. Knowledge will never fulfill. And this is what he's telling us. It's all vanity. And he says... I communed with my own heart saying, I have come to a great estate. I have gotten much wisdom and all they that have been before me in Jerusalem, my heart has some great experience of wisdom and knowledge. He was getting very proud. And pride is what really brought him down. In the, you know, he's looking around saying, you know, Hey, I understand all these things. I know these things. How many of us have ever been caught up in a prideful moment where we think, okay, I've got it. We started out on the right thing. We started following God. We started even maybe doing something for God, a ministry or some activity. And then all of a sudden we got proud and God says, hold it, you're forgetting who who did the work. You're forgetting what this is all about. We all battle that. It's a problem that we face and says pride goes before the fall. Another verse says pride goes before destruction. You know, pride is one of the worst things that can happen to us. Satan's fall from the archangel was because he got pride. He said, I will exalt to the, to the throne of God. I will be like the most high. And seven I wills all saying he wanted to be like God. Yeah. And that was his downfall. He wasn't happy in the position that God gave him. He was the number one angel in heaven the only thing above him were the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he goes, I don't like my position. I want to be higher. And he got thrown out of heaven with a third of the angels that he brought with him. But how many times have we done the same thing? Well, God, you know, I've got this business or this ministry or whatever it might be for you. And you say, okay, God, look, you know, we've, we've, we've done a good job. And we start with, we've done a good job. And then eventually it becomes, God, look at what I've done. And God says, okay, let me show you what you have done on your own. And he takes everything away and makes us embarrassed and shows us that we're really nothing without him. And we need to keep that mindset is without God, I am nothing. With him, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. We can do anything. And this is what I've watched over time. And I've shared this with so many people. If you want to do great things for God, step out and do things and watch him work. Over the years, I have seen people that I would never have thought could run a ministry or do do an activity, do things very well because God called them to do it and God strengthened them. Then I've seen people that you thought would be able to really do things really well because they had all kinds of skills and they fall flat on their face because they're not doing it for God and with God. They were trying to lift lift themselves up. Be very careful. Solomon got exalted. I have learned all kinds of great things. I have learned wonderful things. I know all things. And God's going to show him he didn't know all things. And show him that there was no satisfaction in those, in those. And he says, I gave my heart to know the wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also was a vexation of spirit. He wanted to know wisdom. And I kind of wonder why he wanted to know madness and folly. Uh, But you know, how many times do we try to understand why somebody does something that doesn't make any sense because they are a little crazy or insane or whatever it might be? There's times when I've sat back and I'm going, God, I just don't understand why people would do whatever it might be. You know, usually things that I have never had a problem with, you know, but, you know, we've all done that, you know. Wherever we're strong, we kind of look and say, well, why would anybody not do this? Solomon was at the same point. Okay, I know all the wise things, so now let me look at why do people do the wrong things. (laughs) Very dangerous study. Be very careful of studying the the negative side of things. Uh, There's a lot of people that will study uh, false religions and and, uh, cults. And I don't tell you not to do that, but if you're going to do it, be very careful to study the Bible with an equal amount of time. So if you put an hour or two in some of the garbage of the cults and the other religions, spend an hour or two in the Bible to rewash your mind and your thoughts back. Because uh, I've, I've studied them. I know, I know the different cults. I know much of what they believe and everything. But uh, you can get lost in this. And I've seen people get lost in that kind of study. They get so wrapped up in it, they forget to study the Bible. And then their own theology gets warped because they're not getting into the Bible. And when I say the word theology or doctrine, don't get worried. That just means what you believe about God. <laughs> All right. Uh, theology is the study of God. You know, how do we get a good study of God? We get into his word and learn who he is. You know, we, we sang the song, 10,000 Angels. You know, have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus went to the cross willingly you know, I have this picture of the angels in heaven watching him being brutalized, just saying, Okay, Father, when are you going to send us down? And how, how long are you going to let him go through this? And his love allowed him to just say, I'm dying for these people that don't deserve it. You know, do we know about God's love? Do we know about his grace? What do we know about it? How much time do we spend trying to know God? Know his holiness. In our day and age, we forget God's that God's a holy God. In our day and age, we're kind of like, okay, God, you're just love, you're grace, you're you're, going to forgive, and that is true. He's going to forgive because of what Jesus did, but he's also a righteous, holy God that demands that we have holiness and righteousness. And without Jesus, we could never meet that demand. And those who reject Jesus will get his holy, just anger dished out to them when they stand before him at the white throne judgment. Never forget that God is holy and and just. I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm just going to go out and sin because, you know, God will forgive me. It probably is true that he's going to forgive you. But, you know, every action has a consequence. Every time we sin, there's a consequence. And the consequences are always more than we expect them to be and involve more people than we expect them to be. a lot of times we look like, well you know if I just do this I'm only hurting myself no such thing. no such thing as only hurting yourself. you'll hurt your family, your friends, your reputation, God himself if it gets if it gets out well his reputation will be hurt. Sin has consequences they're deep and we want to be able to look at it and say God I want to stay as far away from sin as possible don't don't you know, don't try to see how close can I come. I get that question. Well, well, if I do this, am I sinning? My answer is a really simple one. If you're asking that question, the answer is yes. <laughs> if you're asking the question, if I do something, am I sinning? Then the answer is going to be yes, because you don't, you're not doing it by faith. You're not doing it by, you know, by true understanding. If you can say, I don't have any problem doing this, and you're in your word, and you're <laughs> following God, you may or may not be sinning but at least you're doing it under the right things Paul said I can do all things but not all things are expedient not all things are good for us to do but because we're in Christ we can have the freedom to do things without that problem but if you doubt if you have doubt in your mind on whether you should be doing it then you're sinning plain and simple Paul told the Corinthians, you know, if you want to go down to the meat market by down at the bottom of the temple and eat the meat offered to the idol, be my guest. It's not a problem. They, they they killed meat in front of a stone or you know stone or gold, no problem. But if you have a problem with it, don't go and get the, don't eat the meat. Why would some of them have problems? Because they'd become Christians from worshiping that idol, and they were struggling with, is this meat or this is this idol really worthless or not? He says, "Don't in, in your case, don't eat. So if you have a question on whether you're supposed to do something or allowed to do something, don't do it. If you have that guilty feeling in your mind that you shouldn't be doing, don't do it. If you can do it with absolutely no tinge of conviction from the Holy Spirit, go ahead. If it's sin, there's certain things that we know are sin, you know, the, the Ten Commandments. If you're taking God's name in vain, bowing down before idols, committing adultery, stealing, murdering, uh, coveting. You know, have you ever thought about coveting, that, that uh, commandment to not covet? All of us break that one almost all the time. Matter of fact, if you watch any TV or listen to advertisements, you're induced into coveting. I've got to have something because it's important and somebody else has to have it. You didn't even know you wanted it until you saw the commercial or that you needed it until you saw the commercial and then all of a sudden you end up coveting. How easy is it for us to fall into sin? So easy. So easy to fall in sin. So be very careful. Get to know God's word and understand. Solomon's big one right now is pride. He says I'm, I'm, I know all these things and it leads to vexation. Why did it lead to vexation? Because he says, they cannot fulfill, it cannot be numbered. What is wanting cannot be filled. It says numbered in the King James. And this is what we said, how how famous do you have to be before you have enough fame to satisfy? Well, if you're there, you never get there. Can't remember which one of the rich guys says, he goes, he was multi-millionaire back when millionaires were the thing, and he goes, how much more do you need, just a little more? just a little more he was never happy he was richer than anybody in the world at the time and said oh i don't have enough what do we look at how much work is enough for somebody who's a workaholic never enough yeah how much family time is enough if you really into, if that's what you're trying to find your fulfillment in never enough because there's you know there's always these conditions that never get filled you know, i Used to train managers, and I had a number of people who were being micromanagers, at least what I defined as micromanagers, and I'd tell them they were a micromanager. They'd go, oh no, I'm not a micromanager. I'm not doing this, this, or this. You know, in their mind, they weren't micromanaging. They left some things on the table. Not very much, but <laughs> they left a few things on the table for somebody to make a decision. In their mind, they weren't micromanaging. They're, they could have always taken more in their mind. Where are we when we're following God? Are we looking at saying, God, I want you to fill my life? It is so much of a blessing to let God fill our life. And then he directs. And then we get to wherever we have. And it's like, okay, God, we're, we're, we're getting something. We're, we're seeing success. And God is saying, yes, you've got me. And then the last one in here says, for where there is much wisdom, there is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. And that does seem to be true in my life. And the more I know about something, the more it causes problems and issues. Uh, Sometimes people go, well, you really need to know all of these things about these people. I go, I really don't need to know anything about people. Because I can tell you one thing I know about people. God says we're all sinners and we're all fallen. And Paul tells us we're to know no one after the flesh. We're to get to know people after the spirit. I don't want to know all the people's problems. If they want me to know their problems, I'll pray for them and help them, help them turn to God. But my goal is to know people, you know, I am really happy that you're following God and, you're, and I'm seeing your life change. You're more loving, you're more kind, you're more... I don't care about the failures and the falling because I don't want to be looking at my own failures and falling in that way because I have plenty of them. You know, I have many because I'm a sinner just like everybody else in this room. I have all kinds of problems in my life. You know, I make bad decisions just like everybody else does. And sometimes I get done with the decision. and go, God, why, why did I do something so stupid? And it may not be a really bad, bad issue, but, you know, it's still, it wasn't what he wanted. And you're going, okay, God, I've got consequences to, for this, this decision. Let's, let's work on these consequences, God. We need to be able to look at these things. Wisdom without God is going to lead to emptiness, confusion, grief, because the more you get to know, the more you realize you don't know, and then you go, okay, I've got to spend more time. How much more time do I have to spend to get to know? Unlimited. <laughs> There's always more to know, always more to understand, more to try to understand. And when you have to make decisions, too much information can really be hard yeah. because now we've got all kinds of contradictory facts in my mind and it's like okay make the best decision you can with the information you have work out your salvation work out with you and God what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and this is something we as Christians have to be so careful of we cannot be judging one another for things that other people do you know, and that's something that we need to be careful of now if we're really close to somebody and they're a really good Christian brother or sister and we see something going on in their life then you pray for them. You pray for your concern and you might if you're praying for them then go up to them and say you know I'm really concerned I've been praying for you because I'm seeing this in your life but make sure it's with love and kindness not in well you know what if you got to stop doing that dear. No that's not the way you go to somebody who's you go to them in love and care and as I have said so many times if you're not praying for somebody You have no business talking to them about things that are going on and that you think are going on in their life because you don't love them enough to pray for them. So don't be going in and judging them. But how many times do we judge one another? You know, if you would just quit drinking, you'd be okay. That person might not have a problem with drinking. If you would just quit smoking, you would be okay. Well, again, that's between them and God. Now, if they're out there murdering and adultery and committing fornication, they've got some serious problems because there's a lot of verses that say, thou shalt not on those. But if this not thou shalt not, be careful how you're judging somebody. Because we each stand and fall before God. And if they know that they're not supposed to because God told them not to, then they're sinning. If they haven't been told by God not to sin on a, on a non-thou shalt not, <laughs> it's between them and God. And we want to be very careful with that because we like to try to put everybody on the same place that we are. The only problem we shared this with you if I'm judging somebody because they're not doing something that I think is important, they're probably looking at me and judging me for the thing that they think is important that I'm doing that they're not doing. You know, we need to be very careful how we look at one another. We're to be loving one another. We're to build one another up. We're to edify one another. We're to pray for one another. Not sit here and say, well, you know, you're, just, you're not like me, so you're, you know, you're, not, you're not as good. And, you know, there are a lot of churches like that. Where everybody's following the same set of rules and if anybody violates that, whatever rule it might be, they're ostracized. Whatever that might, you know, and I am not even going to go into it because you've all been in different churches. You know that this happens. There's always unspoken rules in churches that if, you know, if you want to be part of that church, you have to do (laughs) these things. I want us to stay away from that as much as possible. I want us to be in God's word and loving one another, building one another up, edifying one another up. Now, the good news when we do this, people grow. <laughs> you know, people grow. And we shared, the, you know, I'm the type of person, if you tell me I can't do something, you better give me a really good reason why I can't do something. Because as soon as you tell me I can't do it, I want to do it. Now, it may not be a good thing to do, but as soon as I'm told you cannot do something, it's like, okay, why? Now, if you can back it up with the scripture saying, you know, you know, don't go out and commit murder. Okay, yeah, well, God, you say don't kill. I, I can handle that. You know, but, you know, there's other things in there where you, you go, all right, where's your, what's your Bible verse? I did this because now we're not meeting on Sunday nights. I go visit different places. and This one pastor said it's okay to worry about things, and I asked him what scripture are you using to prove that? Because I read my Bible and it says, don't worry, commit, cast all your cares upon him, and don't worry about anything. And he's going, there's certain things you should worry about. I'm going, give me your verse. You know, what are we looking at? If there's there's something in the Bible, we hold on to it. Which is why I encourage us, get into the Bible as much as possible. Because the more you get to know God, the more you want to be like him. And the more you get to be like him, the more edifying you're going to be to people. The more loving you are going to be to people. The more you're going to be praying for people and encouraging them. God's grace changes people's lives. Laws do not change people's lives. Laws and rules might get people to be obedient when you're around. And all of us that have had kids know that. They might be very obedient to our rules in the house when they're at home. But I don't want them to be obedient just because of the rules and laws. I want them to be obedient because they want to do what's right. And that comes from grace. God giving us his grace and building us up and letting us go through. Solomon's not understanding it at this point. He's looking at all this knowledge, all these facts and saying it's all empty. It's all vexation of spirit. And this word vexation of spirit is going to be used seven times by Solomon in eight chapters. You know, he talks about knowledge and things being bringing nothing but vexation, emptiness. So our encouragement for us is let's keep following after God. Let's live in His grace. And grace isn't permission to go do whatever you want. <laughs> but grace is a lot giving us everything that he has. We give grace. And I've even had people tell me, well, they don't deserve grace. Of course they don't deserve grace. If they did, it wouldn't be grace. You know, so if you ever find yourself, well, that person doesn't deserve my grace, then you don't understand grace in the first place. We need to give each other Grace. And if it's a real serious issue, I mean, literally, if it's a serious issue that we know that there's something in the Bible that says you shall not do it, still give them grace and pray for them. And if God puts you in a place, you might very lovingly, kindly share with them about where they're at where, and that you're praying for them. Because you start praying and God moves. Yeah. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody and then watched God Move. My experience is he usually changes me more than he changes the individual, but you know but that's true. If he changes my heart and my attitude toward them, that's great too. So we want to learn just to start lifting other people in prayer. We want to be praying for these people that we have the list for you to get saved. What would happen if God saved even ten percent of the list that we have? Three or four people getting saved. What would happen in the kingdom? A couple of those names, I happen to know the last names of who they're out. They're wanting to be afraid. Some of those people got saved. Chloride would change. You know, chloride would change if a couple of those people got saved. What would happen if some? You know, think of the worst person you know in your in your family. What would happen in your family if that person got saved? What impact would that have on the rest of the family? That person could get saved. No way. This God must be pretty strong. Must be pretty powerful. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in this town. As we lift up God lift up them these people to God in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, help us to always keep you in mind. Without you everything is empty. With you great things can be accomplished. Lord, we ask that you lift these people that we're praying for, for salvation, that we see some salvations. Lord, that we see revival come to this town, that people will get more into your word of God, become more like you, and follow you. And Lord, keep us always in mind that our greatest duty is to fear you and keep your commandments. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.